0: Grant, O Lord, that thy word only may be spoken, and thy word only may be received. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. This morning, in in the Gospel, we hear one of the more popular or well-known professions of faith. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold Him who takes away the sins of the world. But we must ask ourselves the question, why does John the Baptist address Jesus in that way? Why does he say, behold the Lamb of God? What does that mean? What does it mean? If we understand that, we have a deeper understanding of our faith and um, and and what we're doing. So, let's investigate that a bit. Why does John say, behold the Lamb of God? Where does it come from? And there are really two places... In the Old Testament where this comes from, the first, it might be a bit more obscure, uh, from Isaiah, where Isaiah is prophesying the coming of the Messiah, and he does thro- so uh, throughout the second part of of his book. And he does so in, in such a way, uh, in one song, in one place called the, the Song of the Servant, uh, he says, like a, uh, like a sheep, he was led, like a lamb, he was led to the slaughter, and like a sheep before his shearers, he was mute. Now, if you listen to Handel's Messiah, that will ring a bell. But Isaiah looks to the coming of the Messiah. And he, Isaiah calls him a lamb led to the slaughter. Talking about his innocence and his purity. And also the sacrifice that he will make for the world. The sacrifice of his very life he will make for the world. So that's one place, the song of Isaiah. Uh, And then, in the other place, it's more popular if you ever attended or taught vacation Bible school, I know you know this, um, when Israel is in captivity in Egypt under Pharaoh, and Pharaoh does all those horrible things when God hardens his heart, and all those plagues come upon him, and he refuses to relent, the final plague, or, or the final uh, sort of, I guess the final plague, we'll call it that, is when uh, Moses tells Pharaoh that the firstborn will die of everywhere and, and so if you don't let the people go and pharaoh refuses so moses tells the faithful of israel to take a lamb without blemish without spot the firstborn lamb and to offer it to god and a sacrifice to prepare a meal a certain way and take the blood from that sacrifice of that pure and spotless lamb and paint the lentils of your doorpost that way death will pass over your house and that's where we get the passover from in um, this whole idea of the lamb being the perfect sacrifice. So John looks at Jesus in front of God and everybody. And says, behold the lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. So John makes a, a, a very profound proclamation. The lamb of God. The sacrifice of God. The pure and perfect unblemished offering of ...of God for the sins of the people. The pure and perfect offering to take death away from the world. So, it's very uh, specific language John uses. And it comes right in the beginning of of John's gospel. But uh, it's probably familiar. I hope it's at least familiar to our ears when we hear, Behold the Lamb of God. Because there's a hymn in our liturgy that we sing every single Sunday... This is this, this from that proclamation of faith, confession of John the Baptist. O Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world, have mercy upon us. We all know that. The onus day, uh, as it's called, has been a part of the liturgy for a long, long, long time. For centuries and centuries and centuries it's been a part of our liturgy. Um, and it comes in a very unique place in our liturgy. As you know, when we come into the church to begin our liturgy, we start with hymns of praise to God... Then we ask God for mercy. Then we glorify God's name. Uh, Then we say some prayers. And now we've sat and listened to scriptures and the gospel. And now the priest gets up and rambles on about what the gospel means. Uh, And then we'll profess our faith. Then we'll have the liturgy of the sacrament. And what we say in in, in this church, in the Anglican communion, is that the bread and wine that are on the altar somehow become the body and blood of Christ. So when we say the words of our Lord, this is my body, this is my blood. We say that Jesus is really and truly here with us in this church. That we are really and truly communing with Jesus. And so after we said those words and we've, uh, and Jesus is in our midst in the bread and the wine, after the Eucharistic prayer, that's when we sing the Agnus Dei. O Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world, have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us grant us thy peace and to me throughout my brief time of being a priest uh, that's one of the most emotional times in the liturgy sometimes i often get teary-eyed or uh, a catch in my throat as it were or or just very emotional uh, because that time to me is so intimate and so raw and so real and tender i can't help But think in the conversations I have and the the, the way I go about my day and the things I do, when people come here, I can't help but think of everyone's stations in life and how difficult and grueling life can be sometimes, how hard life can be sometimes. People come to this place with troubles in their relationships, with addiction problems, job problems, they come here hopeless, broken, depressed, defeated, deflated. They come here in all sorts and conditions. And none of them are really great a lot of the time. But they come here and we kneel and we say the same words John the Baptist said, Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, have mercy. Have mercy upon us. Grant us thy peace. And to have a a lot of people come in here into this place in the Eucharist and kneel and make that profession of faith and beg for mercy is a very powerful and moving thing. It really, really is. So that is where we sort of get some of that from and it's um, a very meaningful and powerful proclamation. We need to notice also after John the Baptist makes that proclamation, what happens? Andrew leaves John the Baptist and the other disciples, leave John the Baptist, and they follow Jesus. And in that, they stay with Jesus, they hear the words of Jesus, and they begin to follow Jesus full time. So once they've made that same profession of faith, once they've seen Jesus, their lives are transformed. And then we didn't read it, uh, the, the gospel book didn't go all the way, but at the end of the reading, Andrew goes and tells his brother Peter, Simon, that he's found Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. Peter meets Jesus and says, "You are the Messiah, the Christ." And Jesus tells Peter, "You are Kaipha And on this, you know, so Jesus calls Peter rock. So we see from that uh, some wonderful things and things that are meaningful to us. Because uh, I don't want to just you know leave you with information about the the, the liturgy, but when we come in here commune with Jesus in his intimate, raw and tender ways, when we ask Jesus for mercy, when we beg Jesus for peace, when we commune with Jesus we go forth from this place transformed just like the disciples we go forth with hope, knowing that we are not left to our own abilities, we are not left to our own intellect, to our own strength to our own power, to our own privilege we have the Lamb of God Him who takes away the sins of the world. We have a Lord and a Savior. We have hope. We are not on our own. There is nothing that we cannot overcome. With that profession and with that intimate prayer. And with the reception of communion and with faith. We have that rock. The same thing Peter had. The rock. So the world is not hopeless. There is no obstacle or nothing we cannot overcome Although life might be difficult and hard, and it certainly is, it's not the end. And this is not all there is. With Jesus, we have eternal life and eternal love. We have eternal hope. We have eternal joy and eternal peace. And so it's a very wonderful, wonderful thing we do when we come here week after week and say these ancient prayers and make these professions of faith to Jesus. We beg the mercy of Jesus. It's a wonderful thing wonderful thing that transforms and changes our lives so this morning as we go forth from here our colleague tells us asks us that we may be or we ask god that we may be illumined let us go forth from this place having made the profession of john the baptist behold the lamb of god having asked jesus for mercy and grace and received him in holy communion let us go forth as lights of hope in this world Let us go forth and make the same proclamation John the Baptist made. Let us go forth with the light of Christ and give hope to a dark and broken world. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.